Excuse me, sir. Can you give me your best what? What? Did you guys know that all of the seas in Pacific Ocean are all pronounced differently? Wait. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> welcome oh, to the What Podcast. Yeah. And today, we have a thought. Today, we are talking about foster care and family relationships. Yeah, so for announcements today, um, we only have one. We're going to be having either next week or the week after, we're going to be having Josh Adams come on and talk about uh, race, diversity, racial reconciliation, things like that from the perspective of um, a black man. Um, in the news today, we it's not something that happened this week, but it has had carryover effects. Um, the shootings in uh, East Knoxville at Austin East High School. Uh, three students dead. Two of those three students have gone um, unsolved. So the families are having to face a lot of mm. pain from losing uh, a child and also frustration with, with nobody being held responsible. Mm. All right, now we're going to get into a topic which is something that is near and dear to my heart. Um, I have a lot of family who went through the foster care system, a lot of my siblings, and I have a lot of siblings. <laughs> um, and to do that today, we brought in uh, Mr. Dak Andrade, someone who we consider to be a knowledgeable person in this. So Dak, tell us a little yeah. bit about yourself. Yeah, well first, thanks guys for letting me come on um, mm. the podcast. So I wanna preface this with saying I'm not a professional in this area um, by any means not even close to a professional. Um, I have had experience in uh, currently working at Severable uh, Smoky Mountain Children's Home in Severable, Tennessee, and then um, I've been semi-adopted, and what I mean by semi-adopted is, so I had legal guardians who weren't my biological parents um, my last four years of high school, uh, and they pretty much adopted me. It just wasn't, um, the, the paperwork wasn't, Done. I mean, they were my legal guardians through paper, but they weren't my um, adopted parents through paper, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm Dak. I'm a junior <clears throat> at Johnson University in Knoxville, Tennessee. I am studying psychology and family studies um, with an add-on of family educator certificate um, plus Bible and theology. Um, and I'm from Indiana originally. As I said, uh, semi-adopted, um, come from pretty abusive uh, background, um, absent parents, um, mostly my father who was absent and abusive, but um, my mom was disabled, um, so she, she did as much as she could for us um, with what she had. So yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming yeah, on. No problem, man. Yeah, we do appreciate it. Um, something that I think often gets overlooked is foster care and adoption. You know, uh, like I said, I have a lot of family that was adopted. I myself am adopted, um, and it, a lot of people want to do it, but sometimes there's a stigma on it, and yeah. people kind of scares them away. I know it can be pretty pricey. Yeah, yeah um, it is, which is unfortunate. I know a lot of the social services are not always the greatest to deal with. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So we have some facts here that we kind of want to talk about that kind of 
struck close to us and, and we think are pretty, pretty mind-blowing. So the first one we got is 6% of the children in the U.S. will find themselves in the foster care system before they turn age 18. Ah, that's a disgusting number. That is six percent of children will find themselves <clears throat> in the foster care system. <clears throat> now and that's, that's not that six percent could be um, it, it could be abusive families. It could just be a student or, or a child skipping school mm-hmm. and is in a put in a placement facility by a, a case manager. Yeah, yeah. but still six percent. That's a scary, scary. And number. I mean, that's only in the United States alone. Think yeah. about like and, and especially in other countries how how adequate and how efficient effective is their document system so right the i mean figure that they have might right. be even higher yeah, yeah. So. i mean and too like a lot of people do foster kids from other countries yeah absolutely um, we have many professors here on campus who have um, adopted from other countries you know the lintons um, sailors um, eubanks yeah, so it's it's also a very expensive process, which is unfortunate. Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, you're just putting a price on life. But um, yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate, and also you got to think about the six percent. How many kids are homeless, but not in the foster care system and not documented because they're not in the foster care system, but they're homeless mm-hmm. and don't have families um, in that retrospect. So mm-hmm. we just. We need to care for our children. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> I know. I know. For me, you know, I. I actually never went through the foster care system. I was kind of lucky to dodge that bullet, but yeah. you know, I remember when, you know, when I was living with my mother, um, we were living in and off of the streets. You know, it was in and out of places and stuff like that, and I, I definitely know that life, and I can relate to them. A lot of these kids pretty well, and yeah, it, it gets overlooked a lot. It's one of them things that you, we talk about and we say it, especially as a church, and then we're not always great at doing that. You know, we're not always great of providing ways to do it. Yeah. There's all these services and there's all these things out there, but a lot of times these kids need some consistency in their life, and yeah. they need people to be there and care for them. And when they don't have that, then the whole their whole life kind of crumbles yeah. under from underneath yeah, that. Yeah, no, yeah. And it just mm-hmm. takes one caring adult in each of these mm-hmm. kids' lives, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know the point of foster care system is obviously family reconciliation. Like that's the that's the goal of foster care system and placement facilities and but it's like <laughs> yeah, it's just it's unfortunate. Yeah. So another fact that we found uh Kids who go through the foster care system are seven times more likely than non-foster youth to have depression and five times more likely than to have anxiety. Yeah. I mean, for me, this makes sense. Yeah. Because if you think about level anything above a level one facility, right, so Smoky Mountain Tourism was level two facility, mm-hmm. a lot of these kids who go through the foster care system have some sort of trauma, neglect, abuse, some sort of life-altering uh, event that happened. And it just, it's, it's really sad mm-hmm. to say that, and I don't want to normalize it, but it makes sense. Yeah. When you think about even just looking at 
our generation as a whole, we're the most depressed and anxiety-ridden generation ever. And and the fact that these these kids are so much more likely to experience it and experience yeah. it at a increased level, even more so. Yeah, yeah, is is sad. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely. And I mean, that's just like depression and anxiety, which are big things. But like, imagine like social awkwardness. You know, when mm. you're not, when all you know is, is abuse or drugs or alcohol, and then you kind of get out into the real world and away from it, like, you know, it's like a bubble. And then once you get outside of that bubble, like, well, what do I do now? I mean, not to mention uh, PTSD, that can be a thing too. Um, there's a million other, it absolutely is a thing, yeah. you know, there's a million other things that can go into this it's not just anxiety and depression. no yeah there there is a ton of disorders that children who go through the foster care system are going to have because of the things that they went through and the things that they're going through yeah. literally just if you, you take a child who hasn't been abused who's come from a very good home um and one night something happens you know case manager gets called police get called that separation anxiety right there could mm-hmm. start forming, and mm-hmm. then that could turn into even deeper things. So it's literally Abandon- anything could spark it. Abandonment issues can, you know, long-lasting term effects of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, Dak, I did hear you say something about uh, level facilities, like level one, level two facilities. You care uh, kind of explaining what those are, how that works? Yeah. So there are uh, five different levels. Um, level one being, you know. Uh, it could be very very minimal thing that happened that separates the child from the parent Uh, and then level two level three are a little bit more at-risk youth Um, you know skip school uh, maybe a little bit juvenile delinquency Mm -hmm. Um, and then level four and five are like um, (laughs) like full security uh, lockdown facilities okay Um, level five I believe is juvenile detention Mm -hmm. so don't quote me on that. Like I said, I'm not a professional. <laughs> so, in your experience, you said you look, worked at a level two facility. I do work at a level two right now. Yeah. And I know, you know, I know sometimes, like, <clears throat> you know, sometimes parents can't always make ends meet, and people see that, and then you yeah. know that could that be, like, how how do social services rank? kind of how how what determines what yeah so the level of the facility is really dependent on the children okay so it's really sad to say but those levels are for the children Mm -hmm. okay so a level one child won't have any issues really probably won't give you any grief a level two child may run away uh, may hurt themselves Uh, a level three level four level five more leaning towards juvenile delinquency and criminal activity and at-risk behaviors. So, and then the level, different levels for the facilities just are to, um, it's, it matches the levels of the children. So level two child will come to a level two facility, if that makes sense. Okay. So when would you say like these levels, um, when, when, in your experience, when would you say like, you start seeing like these signs of like social anxiety or anxiety or you know uh, stuff yeah. where there's like underlying issues. It doesn't matter the level. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So it can with start the, with at level anxiety one. and depression. It's literally any level. 
there is anxiety and depression. It doesn't care what level the child is. It doesn't care how old the child is. It doesn't care what the child's been through. If a child has it, it has it. It has it. It's just mm-hmm. how we're how we're all wired differently and how we react differently to situations. So what what would you say is like the big age age range of kids that kind of are seen in the foster care system? Like from um, I I honestly I can't answer that. Um, with with good knowledge, just because like my children's home, the one that I work at, is ages anywhere from eleven to twelve to eighteen. Um, but some placement facilities, some children's homes have infants, you know, toddlers. Um, I'm not sure the different age ranges and statistics for that. So the next fact we're going to get into just kind of reinforces that 6% from uh, the first one we got into. I pulled these, these numbers from the, the three biggest states that Johnson students are from. Um, in Tennessee, there's almost 9,000 children in foster care. In North Carolina, there's 10,500. Illinois has almost 17,000. And in Indiana, there's almost 18,500 uh, children in foster care. So, quick story. Um, I had mentioned that I have a lot of family and, and siblings that went through foster care. My cousin actually lives in Tennessee, and she had a foster care. She had two foster care kids for a while, mm-hmm. um, who actually recently just got adopted um, into their family. So that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Praise be. Yeah, it was really. Hallelujah, it was really. Thank God. Yeah, it was really awesome. cool. I mean, those kids, man. You look at them, and, you know, when you know some of these kids and where they come from, it just breaks your heart that it, you know, some of these kids could go through that, how parents choose, you know, life choices and stuff. Absolutely. Because it's it's never the kid's fault, you know, or hardly ever is the kid's fault why they get put into foster care. And it's just crazy. I'm from Illinois. I'm originally from Illinois, so that number actually really hits home close to me. Yeah. You know, that's a ridiculous number, and it should not be that. It shouldn't be above zero, (laughs) you know. Absolutely. But it's not the way things are. Yeah, we live in a fallen world, and, you know, ever since the fall, ever since sin entered the world, it's just, it's how, it's the world we live in. But... I think we're called to make a difference in that. I I really think we're called to use uh, the gifts that God has given us and has blessed us with to make a difference in uh, things like this, like the foster care system. Like I said, it only takes one caring adult, and that doesn't mean you have to work at a children's home, but you can easily just pray for a children's home, right? You can donate. You can volunteer at a children's home. The Bible says to care for the widows and the orphans, right? Gosh, you gotta do something. And it doesn't even. Statistics aren't getting better. No. Yeah, no. (laughs) I mean, especially, I would say, especially since COVID, I mean, I really feel like that only went up since COVID because a lot of things came to light. I know, I know with us, we're on a placement hold there for a while because of COVID. And it's like things like that. Like the process, if you ever get a chance, go on YouTube. The video on YouTube that I would implore uh, charge you viewers and, and you guys to watch it's called removed r-e-m-o-v-e-d and if you want to look at what the 
not always the case, but what the what the foster care system and the process looks like, that is a tear-jerking, heart-pulling. Oh, it's a tough video to watch. I know of another one called Hard to Place. I saw it one time at a CIY. That's a, that one is definitely yeah. hard to watch. And, and honestly, really no, there won't be a lot of videos about the foster care system that are easy to watch. Yeah, that's no. just how it is. No, it's it is. it's crazy. Mark, how does how does that statistic make you feel about North Carolina? I know you're from North Carolina. Yeah. Um. It, it's it's. It, it's kind of it's kind of tough to to hear. It's frustrating to hear because, being from there, I. Um. Uh, I expected more. I expect. Um. Uh, I expected there to be more action, especially with, you know, some a place like Charlotte being such a main, mm-hmm. you know, business hub. There's yeah. so much business going through. There's so much money going through that city. I expect there to be more emphasis put on bringing that number down because that's a that's a pretty in the middle number, right? They get down to I think, very significant. Yeah, I think some Montana's got something like a thousand kids in in foster care and California's got 52,000, right? Texas has um, has around 30,000. So, you know, um, being at, what was the number? 9,000, I think. North Carolina oh. being at, you know, 10 and a half thousand, that's, that's <clears throat> still a pretty, um, pretty big number for not a super huge state. So it's, it's, it's frustrating to hear. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah I definitely think though like a lot of times people like I was saying you know people hear about it we talk about it all the time but like to see raw statistics to like see actual numbers I mean man yeah. it, it's it's and it crazy it should pull at you like that but you can't quantify this stuff mm-hmm. no. you know like this stuff you you can't put this yeah, statistics are important to help us understand, but you'll never understand unless you either live through it, or you help with it, or you work in it. Um, and if you do, if you ever do, it changes your perspective on the whole thing. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I was, you know, I say the term semi-adopted. Um, I, I say that because I really don't know what you want to call it. I live with the host family. They're like my parents. I don't yeah. know what you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> semi-adopted like I didn't even before working at the children's home I didn't think about the foster care system I didn't think about how how broken the system is I didn't think about how amazing the people who work and how strong the people who work in the foster care system uh, are foster families Uh, I was talking to you guys a little bit earlier about my spiritual mother and father Tammy and Todd Wilson shout out to you guys Um, Todd Wilson baptized me at the age of 20 um, so thank you, Todd. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, amen. And um, they, they are foster parents. And the stories that they just tell me are hard to hear. <laughs> because these kids, they're, they're, they're broken. They're li- the, they've been lied to. They've been hurt. They've been corrupted. They've been misguided. And it just takes one caring adult. And thank God, praise be. My, my uh, spiritual spiritual mother and father, Tammy and Todd Wilson, got to adopt one of their recent foster children, Nathan. 
And it's beautiful. Like yeah. he is, he's grown up to be an amazing young man. Mm-hmm. And he had some trouble at first. You know, he had some trouble and he still does. We're imperfect people. <laughs> but he's come a long way. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's examples like that. It just takes one caring adult. It doesn't even take an adult, I don't think. I mean, just someone who knows that they care, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, it takes one caring person, but in the in the sense of foster care and, right. and adoption. Right, and, and I guess it's different for everyone, too, especially if you're younger. Like I said, I, I was adopted at 15 years old, mm-hmm. you know, so it took, once I did get adopted, it took a long time for me to kind of, like, fully trust and fully yeah. realize what was oh, going absolutely. on, you know. And even now, there are times where it's like, well, you know, it's it's hard, you know, it's hard to kind of believe, but yeah. I, I had every opportunity to fall back in to some of the things that my parents did, but I didn't. And a lot of that was because of the people who adopted me. Mm-hmm were so strongly pushing me not to do that that you know now I, I'm sitting here honestly if it wasn't for them you yeah. know I would not be sitting here today doing this at well, all praise be thank God for them you know <laughs> for real you know and I mean we have our ups and downs but that's every family yeah you know and and it really hurts me when I see people go through the same things and it's a cycle it's it's a cycle you know a lot of times what happens to kids that get repeated it gets yeah. repeated and repeated yeah it's funny that you say that um the intergenerational abuse cycle that you're talking about i did a my literature review for my research and writing class on um the um, childhood maltreatment and its effects on adult relationships mm-hmm. and you know my findings concluded that which is unique, but the statistically significant um, statistic (laughs) in the research was um, more likely to repeat the abuse, okay, with between physical, sexual, and emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. The kids who were emotionally abused were more likely to repeat it. The other two were not statistically significant. I think that just speaks volumes. Yeah. Because emotionally, emotional abuse obviously can come with physical and sexual abuse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but emotional abuse may be happening, you don't even know it, right? Because that's how your parents treated you, you mm-hmm. know? Because that's how you learn from grandma and grandpa, because that's how you learn from aunt and uncle, because that's how you learn from mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And that's the cycle you're talking about, that intergenerational abuse that people like you and me Praise be, thank God, hopefully can break that link. Right. And, and that's that needs to be one of the biggest focuses, in my opinion. You know, and it, it, like I said earlier, you know, it's kind of like a bubble. And once you kind of get outside of that bubble, yeah. like you said, your whole perspective on everything changes. You right. know, I mean, now coming from it, you know, you kind of want to go back into it and save those who you left behind. Mm-hmm. I feel like that sometimes. I really want to go back to some of the places I've been and save a lot of my friends that I had, you know. And like you said, praise praise to all the foster care workers out there, man. It takes a strong heart and a strong will. 
I probably could never do it because I, <laughs> I would get too emotional. I'd get too attached to the kids. Yeah, um, yeah, it's hard. It's difficult. But, and, you, know, you know, I only work part-time, but, you know, I plan to work full-time at the children's home while pursuing a, uh, my master's in marriage and family therapy. And basically what, what I am now is a part-time house parent. I'm basically a part-time parent or big brother um, since I'm a little younger. But that's what they are when you work there uh, in that position. You know, there's yeah. case managers, there's administrative work as well, there's, there's all kinds of other things, but the, the house parents, that those are the people I respect a whole lot. And I respect every single one of them. Yeah. Case managers, all of them alike. Um, all of them the same. But a little bit more, I think, for the house parents because they are walking with those kids every single day. And can you imagine what this world would be like if every person on this planet was like that, was like a house parent to, well, to be, kids. It'd be a new Jerusalem. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be heaven on earth. <laughs> I mean, could you, like, I mean, just connecting with kids, people in general, you know, yeah, is, no, is absolutely. speaks volumes. That, that utopia, that utopianistic, I don't know if that's a word, but it is now, <laughs> that kind of just unimaginable world is I, I just get goosebumps when I think of that because I think that's kind of what heaven's going to look like. Mm -hmm. I know it is. I have this I have this burning desire down in my heart to start like a foster home where we have large scale you know I don't even want to call it a foster home more like a, a like just a place for people to go really you know where we have large scale like house parents and, and stuff like that and just so like a children's home yeah, but like, like a whole town. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> on a bigger on a bigger scale. Like, That'd be awesome. Yeah. Like like a ranch almost. Like a, yeah, like a children cool. like a foster ranch. I guess you could call yeah, it. You know, that'd I be mean, pretty dope actually. Yeah, I mean like some some animal therapy. Me yeah. and me and Mark joked one day. We were like, we're just gonna stay single forever, move in, and become single parents. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. Mark, how do you? You've been kind of quiet. Um, I want to hear from you, man. What are you? What are your thoughts? What are your opinions? Yeah, it's. I think for this topic, I, I have very minimal experience, so it's it's hard for me to to really. Yeah, but you have opinion. your convictions, Mark. Yeah, we want to hear them. It's if, hearing like the statistics and reading things. Like the another statistic I have here is only in twenty eighteen, only twenty five percent of foster kids. Were, were you know brought into families through through the the adoption process like statistics like that is is really frustrating for me to hear it's kind of hard for me to hear because that's such a like the, the the kids are the next generation like they they take the world into yeah into the the next phase and and so to to just kind of abandon them like yeah. that feels really frustrating. Mark, I almost disagreed with you there, but I misread the question. Because <laughs> it says 25% of foster kids were taken by families who went through the adoption process. Mm -hmm. Now, if that was 25% of kids were taken by families who went through the like the system in general, like yeah. DCS, um, then 25% would be huge. <laughs> like massive. I think it's a significantly low number of kids that are adopted. Um, 
that go through the foster, you know, the, the placement, the physical, the system, which is a good thing, believe it or not, yeah. because the number one goal for um, the, the system, foster care system, is reconciliation with the families. Mm-hmm. So adoption is great if it's needed. But we want those kids, we want all the kids to go back to their families. We want their families to grow through whatever has happened, is happening. We want them to um, grow through that, process through it ef- efficiently and in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. That way they can start creating that attachment and reconnect. And, How and successful is that normally, like the, the process of trying to to put a child back into yeah. a home that they Mark, I don't know out. the statistics, but... I remember in training, it was it was surprisingly high, yeah. the amount of reconciliation that was happening. I think it. Thing. I yeah. think it varies case to case because I know for me, like I said, so my mom in total, I have almost fifteen brothers and sisters in total mm-hmm. from both my parents. My mom has nine kids. Mm-hmm. I am one of nine. I'm the oldest out of all my siblings, except for the two because of my adoption. Um, I'm the oldest out of all nine of my biological siblings, and all my mom's kids, except for one, went, well, except for two, me and my youngest sister went through the foster care system and all ended up being adopted. What happened was my, the sibling that came after me, my younger sister, was adopted, and then it was kind of a domino effect, Mm -hmm. and so every time my mom had a kid, it was straight into the foster care system until she had two that were taken by the state and then they went into the foster care system by the state so i have a couple of siblings that are relatively close to each other yeah um and then there are some that are kind of out there you know so i think it varies depending on the case um and like your history with dcs you know and stuff like that and you know and in my opinion sometimes i feel like uh, child Protective Services give too many chances to the parents um, yeah, with I think, reconsider- yeah, that, reconciling their relationships. Yeah, it really depends because I think chances need to be given. Right. Um, and, you know, if, if so like my biological father who uh, molested many of my family members, including my sister, if that was, if that man was given a chance, then I would understand. Um, but I think the biggest goal should remain reconciliation with the family. Yeah. You know, just because that healthy attachment is important well, when, from birth. Yeah. When, like, and I agree, but, like, when there's a cycle from the parents, like, because you have so many steps for those of you who don't know kind of what it's like. There's The parents are given steps that they need to take, and then... You know, if you don't meet, if you meet those steps, you're good, and and it's very fine print too. So like, say this is in my experience exclusively. I don't know about other people. Say like you have to have a job. Well, you apply for a job, you get a job, you work there for a week, you show that, then they say, okay, well that's step one, and they check the box. You don't have to keep the job for so long, you know. And I think the the rules and regulations vary state to state too. So. Like I said, that's just kind of my experience, but I yeah, know they that typically it's a, have to go through, um, yeah, through the steps to show that they can 
support a child in a healthy yeah. environment. And when you're not making those steps and you have, you know, eight other yeah, kids, like, continuing to go to court, and, you know, it, it, yeah. it's kind of a cycle. It's cyclical. And then it's not healthy for these kids either, you know, in and out of their yeah, parents' no, home. I, I think, uh, and Devin, I think that's, I think that's a very unique case. You know, yeah. Um, with so many kids with that, that cycle that you're talking about. In that case, I, I would agree with you. Yeah. Um, because it seems like, you know, the, the parent didn't want to get better but keeps putting kids through this and keeps um, just not growing and not processing um, in a healthy way and not getting through what she needs to get through. Um, so in that, in that way, I would agree with you. Yeah. And not to mention, a lot of these statistics are just what have been reported to. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't even things that aren't reported, you know, I don't know how much bigger that number would be, but I would assume it'd be higher because I know that it doesn't always get reported. Things don't always get. Uh, what's like? What's the word I'm looking for? They don't always got get brought into the light and get acknowledged, no. which is kind of unsettling. <laughs> yeah. What What statistic are you talking about? That uh, just in general, like like six percent of kids, you know, or different things like. Uh, yeah, so you mean you like know, what I was talking about earlier with like, you know, the homeless kids who yeah. haven't been reported. Yeah, and, stuff yeah. like that. I mean, that's kind of yeah frightening. It's a, it is, it is. Yeah. So what are some reasons that you see that kids are being placed in the foster care system? And what is yeah. like the process for that foster care and adoption and different like arrangements that can be made? Yeah, so I'm gonna try to touch on this. Um, adoption, I don't really know a ton about, okay? Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm semi-adopted. Uh, I know it's a lengthy process with a lot of paperwork um, that can be expensive, but it, it, I, I don't know a lot about it, the adoption part, right? Um, but let's go into foster care. So reasons that I've seen kids in foster care, they literally vary from like one side of the spectrum to the other, right? So, like I said earlier, there is, I know a kid who was in uh, foster care for skipping school. I know one who was in there for um, drug addict mom. Okay. I know one that was in there um, for running away from home so many times. Um, A lot in our facility, some kids come from level three facilities and they get leveled down, so they are on good behavior. Okay. Um, And that's like... Too many fights, you know, uh, robbery. <laughs> yeah. um, and then some kids come from level one facility who, you know, their parents can't make meet ends meet. They can't financially support the children, mm-hmm. right? It could be like, it's a whole array of things. I've experienced yeah. a lot of different kids with a lot of different backgrounds, right? Um, now, the process for foster care, that video removed that I had mentioned earlier, is a beautiful view. It's a beautiful insight. Let me say that. It's a beautiful insight on the process for um, foster care. Mm-hmm. What happens is the police are called. Um, I believe DCS follows up with the phone call. Say it's domestic abuse or child abuse, right? Say it's child abuse. A kid comes to class with bruises. Teacher calls the police. Um, the cops come and check it out. They do a little digging. They investigate. Um, they have to make sure it is what it is before it is, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then when they constitute enough evidence for taking the child, 
and there's like criteria that you know it has to meet whatever um, then the video removed has a big part of this a case manager comes with normally police officer case manager takes the ch child or children um, and then they go to a DCS office sometimes there is no facility for the child to go to or foster care family so sometimes the child has to sleep in the DCS office overnight on the floor or in a cot yeah right that's why I want to start the foster ranch kind of that intermission yeah, no, between that would be beautiful kind there of is, so have you heard between. about Isaiah house yeah I have I think Isaiah house does, yep. does some of that which is beautiful yeah um, that'd be awesome so it's a very it's a sad sad I wish it didn't have to happen kind of process mm -hmm. <laughs> you know uh, and a lot of these kids they don't have enough time or don't have the funds or whatever a lot of these kids come to like the children's home with trash bags with their clothes mm -hmm. stuff. so mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah like I said adoption I don't really know the time about so. yeah I can tell you for me it was kind of easy because both my parents had signed off on their rights, but I know it does get. Yeah, that's. I know easy, it gets. Yeah. Lengthy. Can be really complicated. I've, you know, I know people who have been in it for ten years plus. They've been foster kids for ten years plus and are just like getting paperwork done. Yeah. I mean, and kind of at that point though, the family's kind of new and they kind of accepted them into it, but it can be. It's a lot of legal work, a lot of legal battles. Absolutely. There's a lot of hoops you have to jump through. Yeah. Um, and I'm no expert on this either. Um, but uh, it's definitely a difficult and strenuous process for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I, you, you said you, you work in, in kind of a, a children's home. And one of the, the big criticisms that I was reading about the foster care system is that um, group homes, children's homes are so often the go-to for the foster care system. They don't necessarily always put them into a a, uh, a foster home with a, a family, but more so like a group home. Do you have, you know, what's your what's your take on that? Is that like because there's not foster homes to put kids in, or is yeah, that just so? Laziness. I know a lot with this area, and I, I think it holds true to a majority of the nation. It is because there is not a lot of foster care families. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of room for these children, right? These Even the group homes are starting to get crowded. <laughs> yeah. It's sad. It really is. Um, but yeah, from what I've seen, um, they go to the group in children's homes and foster homes um, not foster homes, group homes, children's homes, more so placement facilities. Um, and a placement facility can be while the children is waiting for a foster family. Um, then foster families. But also, I've had three kids at the children's home who ran away from their foster families mm -hmm. to get back to the children's home yeah. because the foster families were just so not good to them and if you watch the video removed uh, again i'm going to plug it in here removed r-e-m-o-v-e-d on youtube uh there's two parts i believe it just a lot of these kids have a hard time adjusting um whether the foster family is neglectful or um, prayerfully that's not the case these kids could just have a problem adjusting to a caring family mm. right um because they're not used to that that makes them uncomfortable 
Yeah. And they don't want to be uncomfortable. What they're comfortable with is what they're used to. What they're used to is <coughs> the things yeah. we don't want to talk about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it's interesting that that's a it says that's a criticism, because um, oftentimes I don't know if they have a choice. Yeah. You know. Well, and that that may just also come with people's lack of knowledge about, and it's kind of why we're here is to to talk about. Yeah. No, to, for sure. And so. this is again, this is my perspective, working at the children's home. Right. This could be different in California, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. This could be different in Indiana. This could be different in Texas. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in, in your experience, kind of uh, what you've seen, how long do kids usually stay in foster care? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, if you had to, like, guesstimate, like, a certain length of time, I know it could be any amount of time, but is yeah. there, like, a typical... I would say three to six months, hopefully, prayerfully, yeah. and then they're with their families again. Or they find another family member who takes them in, who can take them in and support them. Um, there's been a couple kids that I know of at the, my place of work who are aging out, which means they stay until they're 18. Yeah, that's not good. No, you don't want a kid to age out. No. You don't want a kid to age out, and it breaks my heart, because one of the children at the home has a two-year-old daughter. She's almost age out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know once you age out of the foster care system, your chances of getting that kid back, it's kind of... Yeah, I mean, there, there, to... there's opportunities. Yeah. It really depends on how the kids were cared for mm-hmm. and whatever facility they stayed in. If they want to pursue opportunities, DCS does give them opportunities. I know they... Um, some, some DCS places, um, some states, I would say more so help with college, help pay for college. Um, it just really depends on the child. Well, and like you said earlier, you know, they don't want to be uncomfortable. They want to be comfortable, you know, they don't yeah, want to so leave go their back. comfort zone. They're going to, they're just going to go to the, the lifestyle they knew. And yeah, that's and, kind of that whole you're right, cycle. You're right. That if, if a kid ages out and he's still involved in at-risk behaviors, it's really hard. I know research has proven this. It's really hard to change their lifestyle and their way of life. All right, so when when you are looking at um, foster care, I specifically like in children's homes, how often yeah. is um, the child's voice being heard, like their desires and their their needs that they're expressing, how often are things like that met? Yeah, so there's definitely a difference between their desires and their needs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially with the children's home that I work at. So mm-hmm. the desires are often not met. Yeah. Because they desire to drink alcohol. They desire to smoke tobacco products. They desire all of these things that they just aren't going to get because the children's home cares for them so much, yeah. right? It's things that will not aid in a fruitful life. Now, are, I hate to cut you off there, but is that, is, I, did, I did read something about that, that a large number of kids who come into foster care have um, issues with alcohol dependency. Yeah. Is, that a, is that a pretty predominant yes. issue throughout? Yes, it is. It is, especially level two and above. 
yeah. facilities level two and above. Um, it, it is a it's a pandemic in the foster care system. I, it's just because they were given so much freedom, I guess, um, mm. w- when they lived at home, mm-hmm. that they could make they could make whatever choices they wanted. You know, they may not have had a parent that cared enough to tell them, "Don't do that. That's not going to be good for you. That's going to affect you in a negative way." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about my job is I can walk through th- with these kids. Walk through life with these kids and tell them, hey, that is a choice that may not be in your best interest for the long term. Because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I was a kid once too, and I thought very short term. I thought about the next day, not the next 10 years, right? So putting that into perspective for these kids I think helps a lot and just, you know, caring yeah. for them. Now, the child's needs, they're, they're met. Okay, mm-hmm. um, even more so than than what their basic needs are, you know, yeah. obviously clothes, food, shelter. Um, but they also like each cottage on uh, at our facility has like an Xbox and a TV and Netflix, and they can like watch entertainment and chill and all that stuff. Why would you consider like an Xbox and a TV and stuff like that for these kids specifically a need? I did not consider that a need. I said their needs were met, and even more so. Oh, so they sorry, get, I they misunderstood. Get, <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I they misunderstood. Get, they, they get things for entertainment um, beyond their needs. Um, so, what are considered kind of like, what are like some healthy boundaries while the child is in foster care, foster home, or whatever? Mm-hmm. What are like some healthy boundaries for them and their parents, and like who kind of determines that? Does like the foster home, foster care people, or is that like a state thing or the caseworker thing? Yeah, so that's a caseworker court thing. Okay. So uh, the courts and the caseworker will determine what is healthy for the child, what they can handle at this time of their life, and what would be best for them. So, so we talked a little bit about um, alcohol being a, a, alcohol dependency being a pretty common uh, struggle with kids coming in and... Uh, you know, going through the foster care system, what are some of the other big struggles, whether that be like depression, anxiety, or uh-huh. alcohol dependency, what are some of the big struggles that you see um, foster kids experiencing? Yeah, so in this season of life right now, and it's always changing, these things always change, nothing is concrete, especially when it comes to qualitative things such as this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing right now that I'm seeing is definitely just the kids and their needs and their wants, desires to fit in. Mm-hmm. And they will do whatever it takes to fit in, okay? Um, they will sneak contraband on the campus. They'll run away. They'll uh, cuss out the house parent. You know, whatever they do that helps them fit in. I don't know why they have such a need to fit in. Mm-hmm. Maybe they felt like they didn't fit in with their family, okay? Um, maybe their family's different from what they're experiencing at the children's home and they don't want others to know that because they want to be cool. You know, I just don't know. I don't know that dynamic. Um, But that's like the biggest thing I see right now. Um, Honestly, I don't see a whole lot of depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, More so because I'm not working with them clinically. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, definitely just their desire, their thirst to fit in. (laughs) They'll go go beyond measures to do that. That's crazy. Kind of like... You would think, like, kind of once... But I guess, too, you said you work with a lot of younger kids, right? Yeah. 
I guess to being younger kids, they kind of like they are they aren't really thinking about you know long term things more than short term things. Kind of like I guess like delayed gratification versus instant gratification kind mm-hmm. of um, being cool. It's still crazy to think about how like you don't see like you said the depression at such a young age yeah um but you said you're also not working with them like on a clinical level but i do think that you can tell when people have got you know certain like depression or anxiety i feel like there are telltale signs yeah there are but the you know Devin, it's it's challenging to pick up on because these kids have they've learned their whole lives to mask it Right, I know they that's do a very good job yeah. at it. I know so. that's something that I did for a while, and I still do sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a majority of these kids are going to suffer from acute depression or mild anxiety. Right. right, like that's just that's almost like a baseline for the children's health yeah. because of the things that they've gone through and the things that they're going through. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, the the severe depression, the major depressive disorder. The severe anxiety, it's not always easy to pick up on. Um, but when you do, you do. You know, you can tell. You can tell. So, so another thing I read was um, that 30% of homeless people in the U.S. were previously in the foster care system and um, became homeless just because they aged out and mm-hmm. didn't have um, the, the, the proper assistance to, to mm-hmm. help them afterwards what is do you have any experience in this area how often do people age out and are there options to to help them out after yeah. they exit the yeah foster care it's, system? A, it's a good question mark like i said the i know two kids who are aging out um mm-hmm. that's it so far um but and i said a little bit of this earlier they give you or try to give you the resources uh they set you up there's there's a whole before you age out there's a career thing that you go through and finding um, a workplace after you age out or finding a college. Um, I think it really really just depends on the student. And you know obviously always there's socioeconomic factors from their previous um, household from their parents they're gonna play a factor. You know right. mine did. Um, yeah. That's just how it is. That's how that's how the economy works. Um, but I think it really just depends on the child. If they have that drive to go to college, to find a good paying job, to find a job, period, right? One of the kids I know who's about to age out, actually, let me say this, a girl that aged out this last year, she went off to college, which is beautiful. She's going to college for art. Hallelujah. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, a kid that's about to age out in March who has a two-year-old daughter, He plans on working after, but it's it's really hard to tell with him. Yeah. You know? So it just it depends on the job. Um, on a, on a kind of quick side note, would you say, like, in your experience, how would you say like these foster kids kind of output like a lot of their uh, fear, anger, and stuff like that? Would you say they're kind of more creative people, or or like how would you? No, no. I'd say they're pretty straight to the point. <laughs> um, one of our caregivers passed away from COVID, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. 
and you know one of our children were super close with him and tore up the wall you know if they're mad they're mad mm-hmm. if they're mad at you they'll tell you they're mad at you I've gotten mm-hmm. cussed out multiple times mm-hmm. um, but on the flip side okay I don't want people thinking this is a terrible place it's a beautiful place and God is moving yeah right mm-hmm. so a girl I worked the girls cottages quite often and a girl that had claimed um, atheism and she's an atheist still is for the longest time the last time I worked she offered to pray at the end of the night because I pray with whatever cottage I'm working with at the end of my shift mm-hmm. and she offered to pray it was a funny prayer and it was you know thanks God for this day and this bread yeah. um, but it's just little seeds like that who can little seeds like that who definitely are the mustard seeds that the Bible so lovingly tells us about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, would you say, like, a lot of these kids kind of suffer from, like, a fear, like, an anxiety of, like, not being adopted? Or would you say they more so hope to go back to to their families? I haven't met a kid who's um, worried, been worried about being adopted. Mm-hmm. A majority of the kids at the facility that I work at are going back to their families or are aging out. Um, so I can't, with that being said, I can't generalize and speak for the whole foster care system. Mm-hmm. Um, but from my experience at my facility, they're not really worried or anxious about getting adopted. That's that's reassuring to hear, though. Yeah. Honestly. Absolutely. I was honestly kind of afraid of that question. Yeah. Because I was really scared of what what the outcome would be. But yeah, no, absolutely. You know, um, thank God, praise yeah. be, that these kids are looking forward to being with their families and reconcile with their families. So, so now, just kind of a, a closing question. We've talked a lot about, um, you know, what it's like within within for the kids within the foster care mm-hmm. system say that you know I'm I'm a listener and I I want to to foster a child what is that what is that process like for me to to google do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no it it starts with your state so it's going to be different in every state um, so I can't really speak on specific things to do fill out this application at this website this 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 yeah. um I would definitely maybe go to a DCS office in your area mm-hmm. if you really want to foster a family. And then the process, you know, the, the process looks like taking classes, uh, making sure that you're prepared and um, able to foster children, especially at-risk youth. So you'll do, like, trauma crisis intervention training um, and things like that that they'll train you in in um, learning how to walk with these children, Okay. Um, who have been through uh, traumatic experiences in life. Um, And with that closing question, I also want to, if you guys don't mind, um, I have scripture here that I would like to close with as well. Absolutely. So James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We had talked so much today about that one caring person 
Mm-hmm. Right, Devin, you're right when you said when you said it doesn't have to be an adult, one caring person in these kids' lives. Okay, we don't know what these kids go through. Mm-hmm. All right, we don't know their background. Uh, I don't know half of these kids' backgrounds. Whatever they're comfortable with telling me, they'll tell me. So we are called to treat every brother and sister in Christ the same, no matter if they're in a foster care system or if they're in a loving family with two parents, sixty thousand dollars a year, and a dog and a white picket fence. We're called to love all of these children the same and these people the same. And I think that could be a challenge for us when, appro- when approaching that, that mindset, when approaching the foster care system is, my prayer, Jesus, is for you to give me the heart to love these kids as you love them and mm-hmm. the eyes to see these kids as you see them. So appreciate you guys having me on. Real Thanks. quick before you go, Dak, though, I do yeah. want to... Um, I have a couple of things. Uh, I know you mentioned your uh, home that you work with. Um, is there any way that uh, the listeners or me and Mark or whatever can kind of help with that, donate anything, you guys need anything to help with, or any way we can get involved and kind of help you guys out, support you? Yeah, for sure. If you guys want to donate, I mean, you're more than welcome to. If you want to pray, um you're more than welcome to pray. If you want to volunteer, you can volunteer. If you want to work there, you can work there. It's smch at, um, or just smch.org. So smokymountainchildrenshome.org, smch.org. And what was that uh, video you had talked about? Again? Yes, the YouTube video. Please, 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 all of you listeners, you beautiful people. I love all of you. Thank you so much for listening. Um, the video is called Removed. I implore you, I challenge you, I charge you to watch it because it shines a beautiful but humbling light on the foster care system. Removed. R-E-M-O-V-E-D. We'll try to link that in the Instagram somehow for you guys who want to see that. Um, Put it maybe in the description of the the YouTube video. Yeah, uh, we can do that. We'll make sure you guys have access to it somehow. You guys put it in your bio until the next podcast or something. (laughs) Yeah. before we go, Dak, is is there any way that we can be praying for you? We're going to get into prayer requests now. Do you have any prayer requests that you want to offer up? Yeah, so actually the next two weekends I'm working a 24-hour shift at the Chosen's Home. So wow. um, Sunday or Saturday, 8 a.m. to Sunday, 8 a.m. The next two weekends. So definitely prayer in that. Awesome. Yeah. You know, with school, um, with being a youth minister, with another youth group with SCA, with recruitment teams, with being an RA, with working in the mechanic shop, with school, with yeah. friends. It's a lot. Um, so just prayer for time management and peace and just the heart to love as I, as God has so graciously blessed me with. Amen. Well, Dak, we definitely have enjoyed having you on. Yeah. Such a sense. blessing. See a lot of good things coming from you. Uh, our last prayer request uh, just goes out for the uh, the families with Austin East High School in East Knoxville. Just be praying for those families having to experience um, the loss of a child and going through that kind of grief and the frustration of you know nobody nobody being held accountable for that. Um, so just be praying for peace with those families. Uh, I think that's all we got for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. Um, we love all of you. Yes. I'll see you guys next week. Love you all very much. See you guys much. next week. God bless.